God, so good to have a summer vacation. Hello? Hi, Loyal K, have you seen Fan? Oh, when are you guys coming hey, back? What? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm on vacation right now. I hadn't really thought about it. Why? You, you guys, do you, do you want more episodes? Yes, obviously. I have a commute to fill. Oh, okay, so like long episodes is what you're saying. You want like super long episodes about super long movies? Is that? Uh, maybe we could keep it under an hour this season. Oh. Okay, um, all right, well, uh, thank you for your concern. I will get with Kari and we'll, uh, we'll see what we can do. Hello? Hello, is this Kyle from K Have You Seen? Uh, yeah. I cannot believe you guys have gone on hiatus. How uh, many episodes did uh, you even do? I, I don't know, I think. Did, did you know this, how this, how did this get made has hundreds? Yeah, but they've been, on the, they've been on the air for years. We've only been doing this for six months. Well, get back to it. Oh, all right, do what I can. Thanks. Bye. Love the show. Love the show. <sighs> Hello. Kyle, are you getting all these calls? Yeah, yeah. are you getting calls too? I cannot get my phone to stop ringing. We've got to come back. I'm on vacation. I don't know. I. Are I, you still in Florida? Yeah. Dude, we've got to get back to it. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll be back as soon as I can. But like, what, what, what movie are we even going to talk about? I don't know. Watch something on the plane. On the plane. Hmm. Leslie Nielsen. This woman has to be gotten to a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. Lloyd Bridges. Johnny, what can you make out of this? This? Well, I can make a hat, or a brooch, or a pterodactyl. Can you fly this plane and land it? Robert Hayes. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. The big news is... Airplane. Welcome to Con Air. Jailbird 1, you are not cleared for takeoff. And nobody on this aircraft gives a flyer. From Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer of The Rock. Nicholas Cage, John Cusack, John Malkovich. Where are they going to land this thing? On air. Directed by Simon West. Thank you, and have a pleasant flight. Hello! Welcome back to season two of K Have You Seen? Yeah, we we're told, back. We told you we were coming back, and we are true to our word. Um, uh, if you're just joining us, this is the movie recommendation podcast where one of us has seen a movie and the other one is watching it for the first time. Mm -hmm. We'll come up with a more pithy slogan. That's our goal number one for season two is to come up with a pithy slogan for our podcast. Yeah, but in the them on social. You know what? It's time for you guys to do some work. Yeah, g give us ideas. We're done. <laughs> We're done being the idea people. Well, that's not really true, but um, we can only have so many brilliant ideas. Absolutely. And obviously, if you want to find out anything more about when our new episodes are going to be, what we're going to be talking about next, then you can always uh, check out our uh, Instagram uh, K Have You Seen page. You can check mm -hmm. out our Facebook page. We try to stay up on keeping everything updated there, make sure everybody knows our comings and goings and et cetera. And uh, uh, be sure to tell your friends, tag your friends in our posts. Yeah, let's let's spread this. Season two, we're, it's going to be a growing season. Yeah, yeah. And we, uh, of course, we just came back from brief, brief hiatus. We're feeling refreshed. We're energized. We're ready to rock mm -hmm. and roll here. Um, and on that subject, you know, I, I enjoyed a nice vacation on the Florida coast. It was Ooh. very nice. Um, summer travel is obviously... Something that we all like to try to do as much as we can. Business kind of slows down. People yeah. start going on trips. But 
Kari, have you ever been on like a really bad, had a really bad travel experience, like a really bad flight or something like that? Mm. I mean, you know, I love to keep a positive outlook when I can, but yeah, for sure. Like, I've, I've had some bad travel experiences. Definitely had those experiences in flight where you like, you know, you're sitting on the tarmac forever, or you have those like weird jumps where the whole plane kind of falls like five feet out of the sky for a second. Or, or you're trapped you on know. a military cargo plane full of insane convicts who want to kill everybody. I, no? I can't say that one's happened to Weird. me. No? Okay. Um, okay, just me then. That's fine. Um, well, you know, that's just been on my mind, and that, that led me to, to think of what movie we might want to bring up as our, as our, as our first one right, back this season, right, mm -hmm. of course. And I have a, a great selection um, that I think that you're really going to enjoy. Okay. Um, that would be the 1997 Masterpiece. Con Air. Oh no, Nicholas Cage. Mm -hmm. First time on this podcast? Have we done a Nick Cage feature? I yet? don't think we have had a Nicholas Cage movie, mm. which is shocking. I can't believe we made 25 episodes without talking about the greatest actor of his generation or of any generation. I mean, maybe we've both just seen too many of his movies for them to have applied, but. He really I, just disappears into a role. Often you can watch a Nicolas Cage movie and not realize it's Nicolas Cage that you're actually watching. Yes. As I said in SNL, his uh, goal as an actor is to appear in 100% of movies ever made. He's only squandering a measly 90% right now. <laughs> All right. Well, Con Air. Okay. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'll see your Con Air and I'll raise you... Airplane. Oh. A classic that I am shocked that you haven't seen. I am equally shocked that I have not seen it, actually. Although I feel like it's one of those films that is so ubiquitous in kind of the best of comedies lists and things like yeah. that. And the clips show up all over the place. Like, it's this, this movie is full of memes. You it know what I mean? It absolutely is. And you can tell they're memes based on other, spoofing other memes. Yes. But at this point, I think we've talked about this in a previous episode. Like, at this point and for... Our generation, it's like the memes are all we know now. We don't know <laughs> the source material so much anymore. But exactly, yeah. There's not much to be said about this movie, so I think we can just <laughs> dive in. We can just dive in. Uh, granted, the only fair way to decide who's going to go first, of course, is to uh, um, we did this during the Christmas episode. So, longtime listeners, you'll uh, you'll be familiar with this: is the uh, the good old football style toin uh, toin costs. Toin costs. The toin costs. Yes. A little um, twist we like to do here. I of course, think, yeah, just like, you know, reversing letters. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to flip this coin, and uh, whoever wins gets to elect to go first or second. So you call it in the air, Kari. All right. Uh, tails. Ooh, it's Ooh, heads. And it's heads. So um, I will actually elect to go second. So Oof. Kari, um, why don't you go ahead and lead us off and get us into Airplane. All right, airplane, exclamation point. What is there to say? Uh, I mean, as we said, it is a classic 1980 turn-of-the-decade film. Classic comedy, just like you hear these lines everywhere, even if you haven't seen this movie. Like you said, I, it is one of those movies you could totally get away with not seeing and still know enough about to like get the reference. So um, the very quick plot synopsis on IMDb is... A man afraid to fly must ensure that a plan lands safely after the pilots become sick. So yeah, general overview. 
this guy, this woman, in love, broken up. He's chasing her through the airport. She's a stewardess. He ends up getting, he's terrified of flying because he was a pilot in the war. One of the best they'd ever seen, obviously. Obviously. But then had a huge, like, terrible experience. War flashbacks, was in the hospital. And so he's been terrified ever since. And she can't live with a man that she can't respect because he's a coward now. Uh, and But he chases her on this plane to prove that he loves her. And meanwhile, half of the plane, everyone who ate fish as they're in, in flight, what is that? In flight meal? Airplane in-flight food? Meal. What's the deal with airplane food? What's, that was, that probably post-dated this movie. <laughs> oh my God, we'll talk about this. But everybody who ate fish gets sick, including all three of the pilot, pilots, unfortunately. And he must prove his mettle as a pilot and get back on the horse, land that plane. So some very epic things going on in a very, very, very silly movie. Yes, indeed. And much like um, Singing in the Rain, which mm. the synopses often leave out the key fact that it is a musical, this mm-hmm. one, the synopsis leaves out the key uh, uh, fact that this is the silliest movie ever made I think in the history of film. I think silly. It's so true. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean... I think at this point with that one, maybe with both, they just assume you know at this point. They're like, if you don't know what you're getting into, especially yeah. with the airplane tied in a knot at the beginning. Absolutely. Like you, or on the, the poster. So uh, before we continue, there is something I'd like to experiment with, and if this doesn't work out, I will just cut it out. But um, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to try was, all right, I'll be a producer. It's 1979. <laughs> you're a hotshot, up-and-coming comedy writer, and you've got this great idea for a movie, Airplane. And you come up to my office and you knock on my door and you pitch me this movie the way that you think that it would be an effective pitch to get this movie made in like 30 seconds or less. Okay? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? You I don't warm know. Up, shake I'll try. It out? I'll okay. try. Okay. And uh, you come up, knock on my door, and you, uh, you, you're going you're gonna to pitch me this movie, okay? All right. Okay. Uh, um, come in. Uh, uh, you have a second? Uh, yeah, come on in. What's up? Uh, I just, I, I've, I've been working on this movie. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Just wanted to run it by you, see what you think. Uh, yeah, totally. Okay, uh, so, you know, people love love stories, right? Like, of course. They love them. So, but also, like, war movies, mm, yeah? Right, definitely, yeah. Okay, I'm thinking this really epic romance. But this guy, he's, like, out of the war. He's, like, afraid. He, he can't respond to his true calling, you mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then, like, maybe add in a little bit of, like, Jaws, right? Like, people love Jaws. Right, huge moneymaker. Biggest yeah. moneymaker of all time until Star Wars. I mean, and, and comedy could use that money, so... A little Jaws, maybe? Time out, time out, time out, back up. So you started me off on a romance, merging into a war picture, uh, leading into a massive summer monster movie, blockbuster thriller, and if I'm understanding you correctly, you want to insert an element of of, of comedy, a little bit of levity into this as well. I'm just, is that, am I on the right track here? Oh yeah, yeah, just like a little bit. Like, you know, like, Maybe just in, in the background. Okay. You know, like literally, the background to, of all to, the scenes. To break the tension a little bit, because yeah, yeah, some yeah. got some pretty yeah, heavy yeah. genre stuff going on here, so a little bit of comedy to break the tension. Okay, just okay. tiniest bit. I think it's going to work. And have you heard of that uh, Leslie Nielsen? Yeah. Sure, great dramatic actor. Yeah, I, I think he could be funny. You think so? I don't oh. know. He's a little, isn't he a little, a little bit old for, for a rebrand? No, 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 no. The kids love old guys in movies. They love them. Hmm, interesting idea. Combine all this, I think we've got a mega hit on our hands. Got it. So a romantic war movie with elements of a thriller and just a little bit of comedy starring one of the greatest dramatic actors of our generation, Leslie Nielsen. Uh, yeah. Pretty much it. Yeah. Green light. Green light. Sweet. Say no more. Stop drooling, you've hit oil. Let's make this movie. $3.5 million, all I need. And scene. And scene. 
We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So this is perhaps, again, the silliest movie that I have ever, yes. ever, 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 ever seen. I am so excited to hear your take on it. I, I mean, it's impossible that you were not at least familiar with this. Obviously, of course, it's a film of course. Order. So what did you, what did you expect coming into this? Like, what did you know beforehand? What was in your mind when you thought of Airplane, exclamation I, point? I was, uh, when I, I was pretty familiar with the movie Airplane, um, because, um, again, it's, it's ubiquitous. It's all over the place. And, you know, obviously being me, and I'm a big fan of, you know, 80s comedies and things like that, and just classic movies in general, this was definitely on my radar. I don't know why I never watched it. I've actually seen Airplane 2, the sequel, on Comedy Central before, which is oh. bad. One airplane is plenty. <laughs> okay, is that the one where Leslie Nielsen is the president? I don't remember. I remember that... Is that um, Naked Gun? Naked Gun is Leslie Nielsen as a police a, detective or okay. a spy or something yeah. like that. No, I think uh, Airplane 2, the sequel, had um, Shatner was in it because oh, it involves okay. like a space shuttle or oh, something geez. like that um but it's not good i don't remember a lot about it it's just <laughs> not good um but yeah i i knew more about it than i would have liked to watching it for the first time mm -hmm. and it feels like the kind of movie that i should have watched for the first time when i was like 13. yes yeah. okay because i appreciated the silliness very much but i didn't laugh out loud as much as i was hoping i would mm -hmm. only because of overexposure you know what i mean sure yeah i was wondering like what's Watching it, were there any, number one, were there any lines you didn't realize had come from Airplane and then you were like, oh, okay. And number two, what is the line you think you've heard the most from Airplane? Um, definitely things like, what's your vector, Victor? Roger, Roger. Mm -hmm. What's your clearance, Clarence? Um, yep. That's great. Um, the, uh, um, <laughs> the cockpit, what is it? It's a little room at the front of the plane where the pilot sits, but that's not important right <laughs> that's now. That's not important right that now. That one gets me every time. And there is <laughs> no less than up. three versions of that joke in the movie, and they're all great. Oh, yeah. A hospital, um, what is it? <laughs> it's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember seeing anything in there that I had heard before that I didn't know came from Airplane. Mm -hmm. So okay. unfortunately, a lot of the surprise, the element of surprise was gone, but it was still just like kind of a delightful, giddy experience getting yeah. to like watch something this aggressively ridiculous uh. from front to back. But yeah, I mean, I, overall, I thought this movie was really, really funny and really, uh, you know, really well executed and so rapid fire that you just don't have time to stop and think about, well, that was dumb, but kind of funny. It's just like, it's just one after the other after the yep. other. Um, so and we kind of talked about this a little bit uh, when, we, when we watched Help mm -hmm. about the influence of the Marx Brothers, the mm -hmm. 1930s comedy uh, uh, group. And this was like an ensemble cast doing that chaotic Marx Brothers shtick mm -hmm. um, across, you know, 25 different named characters as opposed to four. So I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. I mean, for me, this is this is a movie that's just kind of always been, mm -hmm. yeah, in the zeitgeist. Everybody, or like in the back of your mind, that just like foundational culture you have. I think my parents love it and quote it all the time. <laughs> the first time I actually saw it all the way through, it was, so there's like, this little Presbyterian church down the road from where I grew up. Like, we could walk there. Mm -hmm. My family used to go there for a little bit. Sometimes they would have, like, because there were some kids kind of my age that lived in the neighborhood. Sometimes they would just do, like, things on Sunday afternoon just to, you know, occupy some of those kids' time. And one time it was watching Airplane. 
And so we were like, yeah, cool, we'll go over there. Me and my little brother, I was probably about 13, making my brother, like, I guess he was around 11. And so we went and we watched this in, like, the recreation hall or whatever of this little church with some of our other, like, you know, the kids we kind of grew up with in the neighborhood. Uh And it was, it must have been, like, a new, like, youth person at the church, youth pastor or whatever. Um, Because I remember her putting it on and we got to some of the, like, parts of, like, nudity uh, right and, and she like turned around and just looked at all of us and was like <laughs> i'm so sorry and we were like oh okay <laughs> so that was the first time seeing it all the way through so those scenes definitely stuck in my head because i just remember her being more of course yeah. and us, us just being kind of like <laughs> but yeah so that's kind of how it came in my life i don't i don't honestly know that i've watched it all the way through since that point <laughs> but it has been just like it's constantly quoted, I feel like for how old it is, and constantly just in in things. So it's kind of never far, yeah, never far from the back of your mind. Well, and it, one of the things that I, I appreciated about it now, like the experience rewarded, kind of my knowledge of older films mm-hmm. because I think that there's a lot I mean obviously 90% of the jokes you don't need to understand any cultural references to think they're funny I mean mm-hmm. the Jaws thing the Saturday Night Fever thing those are kind of direct references to specific things but there's so many things in it that are kind of universally understood but one of the major like the overarching reference which you might have more information about this from from your research but mm-hmm. like this is pretty much a direct parody of a series of movies that was coming out in the 70s, the airport series, which were like disaster movies about airplanes and airports and things like that, that were big ensemble casts. And I I seem to remember hearing at some point that the movie Airplane was directly parodying one specific movie, but I cannot remember what it was. But it was like Zero Hour. Zero Hour, Mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah, okay. And that's part of the reason why I think it benefits from casting in three of the main roles, like dramatic actors, you know, Robert Stack, Lloyd Bridges, and Leslie Nielsen, prior mm-hmm. to this movie, were known as just dramatic actors. Like, they had made their bones for decades as dramatic actors. And I think not knowing them as comedic performers, if you walked into that movie in 1980 and you saw them being really funny, I think that would add a lot. Yeah. But at the same time, just me personally knowing what their background was, that it kind of enhanced the experience. That's something I didn't know until researching for this for this episode mm-hmm. was that this was literally Leslie Nielsen's very first comedic role because mm-hmm. now I think about him and I think of Airplane and Naked Gun basically yeah. like he was you know almost a Mr. Magoo and things yeah. like that in his later years like yeah. he's like a Steve Martin kind of mm-hmm. character in my memory but yeah. yeah it did not you know the cultural relevance of him was totally different when this would have come out that's mm-hmm. crazy yeah so I have a couple pieces of trivia before we go into my um, topic of the movie. Please. Uh, so you've already, my big one was the dramatic actors you've already mentioned. Mm. The So you know the bit at the beginning with the like white and red zones yes. thing? Those two actors are actually the same voice artists who make the actual announcements at huh. LAX. Wow. Probably back then, I don't think anymore. And they're actually married in real life. Wow. They're having like a marital argument in the movie. And That's hilarious. Really married. So... The other thing was actually, you know, not from IMDb. There's one main character in this that we've seen in another movie. Do you... Main character we've seen in another movie. Um, I can narrow it down. Please do. The leading lady 
Yes. Is in another movie that we've seen. Ooh. Julie Haggerty. Julie Haggerty, yeah. Playing Elaine Dickinson. Mm -hmm. She was. I give up. The mom in She's the Man. Really? Yeah. The wow. one who's like just obsessed with her being the uh, debutante and all that. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you mention it, okay, I can picture that. I, I never would have guessed that in a thousand years. <laughs> the first like five minutes of the movie as we're seeing her like walk through the airport, I'm kind of like, how do I, I know her. <laughs> and like her affectation is very like, oh, that same like little airy flightiness that she uh -huh. has in this. I was like, I know, I know that. I know that, but like in an older version, yep. Mom, she's the man. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I also thought of it. She's the man connection. The uh, in in Ted Stryker's flashback to mm -hmm. like the dingy like waterfront bar. There's like that a long fight scene between two mm -hmm. Girl Scouts, and it reminded me of the fight scene in the ladies' room at the country club right. in She's the Man. And I was like, this is like a knockdown drag out fight. This isn't just like some like scratchy cat fight. This is like fists being thrown, which is yep. something you don't normally see when you see a fight between two girls in a movie. It's true. I'm just trying to widen, you know, your experience <laughs> here. We're going to have more real girl fights. Girls fight too. The girl who, the girl who won that fight Hashtag grew up to feminism. be Ronda Rousey. Yep. That's a lie. That's yeah. a lie I made There's that There's no way because she would have had to grow up like zero years <laughs> in the last 30 She's secretly years. 52 years old. That's the yeah. thing. Amazing. Um, so any favorite scenes or characters you want to pull out from this? My favorite character definitely was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar playing himself oh my God. That took disguised me as like, Roger Murdoch. That guy really fucking looks like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Obviously like, very different than this, the year the 2018's. Yeah, the funny thing about that, like, I mean, his, his jokes are funny that were written for him, but also mm. I thought that his, Written for him? You don't think he's writing his own jokes? I think this whole movie was improvised, strictly. Um, no, <laughs> no, I, I Especially thought... Especially him. It was great. I thought it was great because, like, him in particular, and I'm not, and it was, the brilliant part was I'm not sure if this was because he's not a, like, primarily an actor. He's been in, obviously, a lot of movies, but, like, mm -hmm. he's not primarily an actor or because it was just, like, a running theme. Like, the whole, all of the acting was very stilted, and <laughs> all the performances and the delivery, and especially Elaine and Kareem uh -huh. were the two that I thought gave the most obviously scripted and not very naturalistic <laughs> delivery. Um, and I thought that was great because it was supposed to be like a parody of, of these movies. But with him in particular, I, the brilliance of it was I wasn't sure if it was because he was doing that on purpose or if it was because he just wasn't a particularly skilled actor. Mm -hmm. I, I, I honestly have no idea. Um, uh, but yeah. his character was great, especially when he finally broke when the kid was <laughs> pestering him about the Lakers. And he was like, my Look, ass kid. up and down court. <laughs> I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. And that you don't really try, except during the playoffs. The hell I don't. Listen, kid. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes. It's great. <laughs> Ever since I was at UCLA. Yeah, oh my god, that was so good. My dad says you just don't want it enough. Or like, yeah, he's like, you don't work very hard. My dad. <laughs> I think you're great, but my dad says. Listen. <laughs> that was great. Oh, that was so good. I love when he like passes out from eating the fish <laughs> and they have to carry him out and he's like wearing basketball shorts yes. and those like socks and his legs are like four so miles long. long. They are like struggling to get him out of that plane. Like, scene. have you ever seen the famous fight scene from, this is off topic, but like from the uh, Bruce Lee movie Game of Death? No. Where he's in like the yellow jumpsuit, where Bruce oh, is in okay. the yellow jumpsuit and Kareem is like just sitting in a chair wearing like white boxer shorts and Bruce goes to attack him. Kareem just kicks him square in the chest. 
and Bruce Lee, who's like 5'5", five, five, flies back, and he's got a footprint the size of his entire torso on his torso. That's hilarious. It's amazing. That is one tall dude. He's great. He's, he's a national <laughs> treasure. Um, but, uh, yeah, his whole deal was hilarious. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, the, definitely my favorite character. Um, favorite scene has got to be uh, June Cleaver translating the jive from the two guys oh, yeah. that were subtitled. Just hang loose, blood. She's going to catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama raised no dummies. I duck a rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. I have to throw in for favorite character, um, Johnny, who was just a random dude. Yes. In the um, the, uh, in the like in the, in the, the he was, tower. Uh, he was Robert Stack. Uh, Robert Stack's or uh, Lord Bridges is like assistant, assistant or something like whatever. that. And every time he'd walk through, he'd be like, "Get me co or coffee," and he'd be like, "No, thank you." Yeah. <laughs> He reminded me of a Billy Eichner character. Yes. Oh my God. Totally. And I love Billy like Eichner. Like his delivery but... was exactly like a Billy Eichner character. Yeah. yeah. And he'd just be like, "What did he?" He's like comforting the wife at one point. What did I had this quote written down? He was like, "Oh, that dress is awful. <laughs> yeah. and those shoes, jeez." <laughs> so he was so over the top. Um, that's going to be a connective tissue to Con Air, which I'll get to okay. in due time. But yes. Um, Oh, there's one bit in that never makes it into like my memory of this movie, but had me laughing out loud. Um, in that flashback scene that you're talking about, when they're in that like smoky, mm -hmm. not Havana bar, so, somewhere else, I don't know, wherever. In that made up area where he yeah, was. Yeah, some made yeah. up like city that he was stationed in. Um, and twice in that scene, he at one point throws his hat. And then it boomerangs yes. back and hits the guy behind him. And then later he throws his jacket and then it like comes right yeah. back. That, oh, that was so funny. There that was, was just a good bit. There was also the part, uh, the other flashback, because, like, you know, I, I loved how, like, he kept he kept basically having war flashbacks with, like, the Ed Woods-style yeah. stock footage mm -hmm. of just, like, World War II planes and, and stuff like that. random-ass planes. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, there's one part where they're on the beach, and Elaine is asking him, like, I don't remember what she asked him, but he tells her, like, every single detail of his mission. <laughs> and then she says, well, how long will you be? He's like, I can't tell you that. It's classified. <laughs> it's like they're approaching from the north, but we've got, like, radio we'll signals the, that blah, blah, blah. We'll come in from under the radar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah. the, he just tacks it on the end, like, we'll come in from, we'll fly in from the north, under the radar. <laughs> can't tell you that. It's classified. That's classified. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, yeah, that's very good. So silly. Uh, so last major dis point of discussion. Mm -hmm. the, this movie in general... Do you think it stands the test of time? It's now 38, 38 years old, yep, mm -hmm. which actually I would have guessed it was older, but you know, it's almost four decades old. Yeah. Humor-wise, any other ways? Well, how does I, it stand up? This is the most non-answer I could possibly give, <laughs> but yes and no. Mm -hmm. In some ways, as I mentioned earlier, like some of the references are so dated and they're references to things that did not stand the test of time themselves. Mm -hmm. So like those airport, those airport movies and Zero Hour, nobody knows what those are anymore. <laughs> the only the reason people know what they are is because of Airplane now. Because yeah, of nerds on IMDb looking exactly. up Airplane trivia. Yeah. Um, but, um, and then there's like weird cultural things like, although I guess this is, like, one thing that stood out in my head, and I, 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 I guess there's, I don't know, early on in the movie, you see the pilot just scoping out porno mags in the airport bookstore, which I guess is still a thing. Like, have you ever been, like, in a, in a newsstand at an airport? They just got, like, Hustler magazines on the, on the, on the racks oh. in some places. It's really weird. I'm like, who buys those? I feel like I've never noticed it, but maybe, you know, it's anyway, a on the culture. You I don't know. Clock it anymore. I, I, every time I'm in an airport, I'm like, really? That's still a thing? Um, but I guess that's that 
is the weird segue into like one of the reasons why it may not stand the test of time is because there's so much in it that just would not fly anymore. That is literally, literally. wouldn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> That's I being in an airport and on an airplane dates this movie more than anything else yeah. because like yeah you just can't suicide jokes ethnic Ooh. stereotypes oh that's a whole nother yeah. segment breaking this into categories airplane things you cannot chase someone all the way to the jet bridge anymore no. that would not happen you don't have people in the airport trying to like hand you flowers and like bibles and stuff because they can't get in they pre 911 america like, was a wild place you know yeah, oh, that is so true. We would not get away with suicide jokes on a plane anymore. Right. Um, and, yeah, just all the planes, smoking on planes, like all that stuff that just, mm -hmm. like, little little flags. Would you like, like a smoking oh. ticket? Yeah, smoking or non-smoking. Sm you're like, oh, my God, people used to light fires in airplanes. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, the there's a lot of just, like, culturally insensitive yes. humor here. And it does so in a way that I feel like in the, the comedic execution is so similar to Blazing Saddles, mm. but with none of the cultural relevance. Yes. You know what I mean? None of like the social commentary whatsoever. Oh yeah, no, they are played purely for stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Like there's a Japanese man who commits seppuku. There's like <laughs> Uh, Indian man, I guess, who sets, almost sets himself on fire. Like, Which the timing of that was, like, was hilarious, by the way, because uh, he lights the match and then somebody else comes to interrupt Ted and the Indian guy, he's just waiting. Is she going to rescue me? Is she going to pull this idiot away from me? Until the match is burning down to his fingers. Anyway, like, the execution of that joke was perfectly timed. I yes. will say that much, at least. Not at all sensitive, but right. well-timed. Um, yeah, not, not even to speak of the, uh, uh, the pedophilia jokes involving the captain and the kid in the cockpit. Which, that one kind of dived in and out. Like, they were definitely, you were like, ooh. But then he would be like, have you ever been to a Turkish prison? And yeah. you're like, oh, he's just, like, overly curious. He's just asking random I think that questions. was intended to be sexually suggestive. Because oh. I think that the there's a movie... Um, uh, what was it called? Midnight Express that dealt with like a drug smuggler who got American drug smuggler who got caught in Turkey, and it was basically like eighty percent of the movies about prison rape in Turkey. Oh jeez. Anyway, yeah, Didn't deeply unpleasant stuff. That was just gladiator like... movies. Oh, are you into? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. It's all making Free stuff half naked guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, sad. <laughs> sad. Yeah. Sad, hashtag yeah. sad. Um, but yeah, things like that, definitely not going to fly today. Again, no pun intended, but... No, um, intended. However, there's enough in the movie, and it benefits from being so rapid fire, mm -hmm. that I think that there's enough in the movie that is timeless, like the drinking problem joke that comes up Hilarious. a lot. That's never going to get old. Yeah. Um, That's what I think the one thing that stands the test of time more than anything in this movie is the humor. Like the yes. jokes. Oh, for sure. Which is the hardest thing for a comedy. It's like the the politics, the kind of like the positioning you can tell of the mm -hmm. writers not really PC anymore, yeah. not really going to fly. But the jokes like mm -hmm. Yeah, most of those the ones not obviously like completely, you know, compartmentalizing yeah. here, but those still funny. <laughs> Most it's of them. yeah. Um, also, and I did not look this up, but I'm going to right now because there was somebody that I thought I spotted. Yes, Jonathan Banks of Breaking Bad fame and Better Call Saul fame, the guy who plays Mike Ermintrout. Oh, okay, yes, yes, yes. He's one of the air traffic controllers. No freaking way. He's he's the guy in the leather jacket who yells, "What an asshole!" Wow. Um, Dang, that's a good spot. Doesn't profile and everything. Yeah, he has a. I was like, wait a minute, that's. 40 years younger uh, Mike Ehrman Trout. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, just the, the speed at which the gags keep coming, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, if you don't, you know, if I've got a 50% land rate, if I've got a 30% land rate, oh, then it's, you know, <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I cannot help it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if like a, if 30% of the jokes hit their mm -hmm. target, then there's just so many of them that it's just, it's, it's still, you're still laughing, and that's yeah. really all that matters. Very, very true. Um, so there are some things in this movie that will never, ever, ever, ever go out of style or, or, mm -hmm. or, or go out, uh, lose their impact. Yep. And some things that should never, ever, ever be done again. Absolutely. You know oh, there was that one scene that I thought was kind of, and again, this skirts the line of being just extremely racist or potentially like, you know, just naively un-PC, mm -hmm. um, where Ted is like doing like missionary work or whatever. He's describing like teaching oh, basketball to the village. Oh, fucking bad. It, but... but but the, there was the one shot that I, I almost, I had to back it up because I was like, wait a minute, is that real? Where like everybody held a basketball and they all threw them at the bucket at the same time and they all sunk one oh, after the other. Yeah. I was like, that's like a Dude Perfect video. Yeah, that was, honestly, like, that was pretty good. I mean, that's impressive. That's something you just don't see every day is somebody is a group of people sinking like 15 basketballs at exactly the same time. Yeah, that was impressive. Yeah. You know, teaching black guys to play basketball and having them be naturals at it. Pretty racist. Well, he was going to teach him baseball next. I mean, yeah. there's that. Like I say, it'll never fly. It'll never go. It'll never happen again. Um, oh, <laughs> random joke that I just have to throw out. But the Mayo Clinic, and then it's the office is full of mayo. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Again, this this should have been called Dad Joke the movie. Honestly, honestly, like, forever, now and forever. This is going to be <laughs> the jokes that dads reference. Absolutely. Um, any other, uh, any other thought, parting thoughts on Airplane? I mean, I pretty much know where I stand. I'm glad I watched this movie. I think if you're, if you, if you have the, if you have the patience mm. for this brand of un-PC early 80s, late 70s, early 80s humor. Yeah. And you haven't seen this movie, you should 100% check it out. It is right. maximum silliness. There is like, yeah, it's, it is just a classic. Oh, I do need to give a shout to, um. The sound effects, the sound designers ah, of yes. this movie. Oh my god, just <laughs> just the boomerang noises and the like boing, boing, boings and whatever, <laughs> like to the max. Just lean into it. If I could no shame. If I could issue one just like criticism of the comedy, just one mm. one thing, All one right, thing. Yeah. Not to ruin a longtime favorite of yours, but just like and I, and I, I felt like some of the shots and scenes went on for much longer than they needed to. The dancing scene mm. went on for so long. I will not lie, at that, at least at the end of that scene, I was like, oh no, what if I'm like bored with this movie? What, mm. if, what if this is something where like you see it, you know it, and you can't go back? Like the silliness just gets tedious. Mm -hmm. And I do think, I think it was that scene. That scene is like just too long. And then it picks up again. Because after that, I was like, I was in it. I was mm -hmm. laughing, you know. It's a short movie. Yeah. It's like 90 minutes. But yeah, I at that exact point, I was kind of like, oh no, I think I'm getting a little bored. That's but... the worst when you watch a movie that you traditionally, historically like, and then you're like, oh no, what if I don't like this movie anymore? Yeah, and I feel like I've had that with probably every movie I've brought to this podcast because I'm so like aware of someone else watching it at the same time and having mm -hmm. to defend it in public, but... I did, it pulled out, but it just like oh, there mm -hmm. was there are some shaggy moments. Definitely, whatever. In a pretty unshaggy movie, so yeah. But um, yeah, I think we uh, we're both. Uh, would you recommend this movie? I think I would definitely. If, I if would you're... for the history. 
You if gotta... you're if you're real drunk at three in the morning, this movie does not take a lot of attention. True, and it doesn't <laughs> last very long. No, is no. that how you watched? This? <laughs> Believe it or not, no. That sounds very specific. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I've had the floor for long enough, so we will move on to another airplane. Another airplane Our movie. Connection. Another, I would say, airplane comedy. Uh, with extreme, <laughs> with extremely insensitive politics, which yeah. uh, which was a t- connection that I did not intend to make, but <laughs> it is very very clear on rewatching it from the vantage point of 2018. Yes. Um, which we'll get into this. We will get into this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yes, Con Air, a movie that I actually legitimately love dearly, even though it is, okay. as some might say today, problematic. Um, but it is so goofy in a different way from Airplane. It's a, uh, it's it's ridiculous. It's totally wild. But now, is that intentional though? To be determined. I okay, think we'll, we'll debate. Right, we can debate this. But before we, before I start gushing about this movie and where I come from with it, I I would like to get your opinion, your 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 feedback on. First of all, tell me, give us a synopsis of this movie from your perspective, and then tell us what you thought of it. Okay, so cons on a plane. Cons on a plane meets uh, speed, basically, was this movie for me. I Coming into it, my, like, what did I expect? I had obviously heard of this movie. I think this one and Face Off got a little jumbled in my head. I kind of half expected John Travolta to be in it. <laughs> okay. And he wasn't. It was John Malkovich instead, which is fine. I'm kind of not used to seeing John Malkovich as, like, an actor. I'm more used to seeing him as, like, John Malkovich being, you know, just a, just a national like, stretcher? Yeah, just like being himself and people appreciating him for it. Um, yeah, so I knew this was in a Cage movie. I knew it was probably not remembered at least as one of mm. the better ones. Au <laughs> contraire, uh, I think most people remember this as one of the key uh, Nicolas Cage movies, but I will let I you finish. I didn't say it wasn't key, I just <laughs> said it wasn't very good. I just said other people say. It's sure, very it is. Good. It is said. Some. Yeah, some, some say. I, I have heard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, besides that, didn't really know much about it. Thought maybe Nick Cage was the good guy, but didn't really know one way or another. Definitely didn't know that he was supposed to be like the number one capital G good guy. <laughs> um, Which is yeah, a tenuous kind of, distinction in this film, I feel like. But Oh, I thought they were very clear. They're about very clear about that. it. The movie oh, is no. very clear about it. Like mm-hmm. the movie's opinion of him is definitely the capital G good guy. Um, Which I definitely want to get into that as well because their ideas of good and bad, like there's some weird things that cross over yes, lines. Yes. But... What I would like to do now is um, you be I'll, I'll be I'll be a young upstart writer, you be producer uh, Kathleen Kennedy, I'm gonna come to your office and I'm gonna pitch you this movie. Movie, okay. All right. Okay. Yes, come in. Hey, I just got a great idea for a movie, and I'd love to tell you all about it. And really, I'm really excited to make this movie with you. Okay. Whoa, whoa. All right, lay it on me. Okay. All right. So we're gonna have an army ranger, and he goes to jail because his body is a deadly weapon, and he kills this guy who tries to attack his wife, and then he gets put on a plane full of the most dangerous inmates in the country, and we're gonna have a helicopter gunships and a cool car with ass kicker license plates, and we're gonna fly through the air. There's gonna be a serial killer who has a tea party with a little girl in an empty swimming pool by a trailer park, and the hero's friend gets shot, and he says he feels like God doesn't exist, and the hero gets shot in the arm, but he doesn't care, and he slaps the guy in the dress, and the plane lands on the Las Vegas Strip, and propeller blade breaks off and cuts the plane in half, and then the hero and the 
nerdy cop ride motorcycles together and chase the bad guys on a fire truck, and then the, he stabs the bad guy with a broken stick and monkey bars across the fire truck ladder, and, and then the bad guy uh, gets electrocuted on power lines, and his head gets swished, and the fire truck hits the money truck, and the money flies everywhere, and the hero gets the bunny out of the storm drain, and then he shakes hands with the cop because they expect each other, and then the, the serial killer got away. Uh, okay, um... Tell, tell me the part about the army ranger again. Yeah, so he's an army ranger. He's like the most deadly killing machine in the U.S. military. He's a hero. And he comes back, and he comes back to South Alabama, where his girlfriend, his wife, or whoever, it doesn't really matter. She's pregnant, right? And then they try to get, they start to get attacked by these guys that are drunk, I guess. I don't really know. And they really hate the army guy because he lost Vietnam or something. And oh, All right, all right. And it sounds like it. Wait, who are we going to have in this? Who, who's the biggest movie star on the planet right now? Well, that would be Nick Cage. Does um, he do a southern accent? Doesn't matter. It's great. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I've got a 330, so yes, let's do it. All right. Great. Uh, I need $75 million. You said Nick Cage would do it? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Oh, my God. That is so... <laughs> okay, that is actually my experience watching that movie, because <laughs> I was definitely lost in the middle. I... Uh, yeah. All right. All right. We so, can get into this. So, all right. Oh my God. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just very quickly also just for those who weren't able to keep up with that cocaine fueled rant. Um, yeah, Kyle's on cocaine right now. Just FYI. Well, I'm off now. It's <laughs> just for that one part. We didn't clean up <laughs> for the podcast. Um, that was a long, long cut. Um, so and this is a synops an actual synopsis off of IMDb. If you like Kari, are familiar with the title and Nicolas Cage, but nothing else. Um, former war hero Cameron Poe, Nicolas Cage, is sentenced to eight years in prison when he accidentally kills a man in a brawl while defending his pregnant wife. I'm going to read that part again. Eight years in prison when he accidentally kills a man in a brawl while defending his pregnant wife. When his release comes through, he's eager to see the daughter he's never met. However, Poe's original flight is delayed, so he's put aboard a flight transporting ten of the most dangerous men in the American penal system to a new high-security facility. And I'm going to skip the rest because it's just insanity ensues oh, from there. Yeah, that's the setup. Yeah. That's really all you need to know. It yeah. gets completely crazy. There is so much going on in this movie. It's just... <laughs> but then at the end, like, in essence, it's so simple. Like, Nick Cage is the good guy. Yep. John Malkovich is the bad guy. Mm -hmm. That is all you need to know. Nick Cage is trying to get to his wife and his daughter that he's never met. John Malkovich is in the way of that. Exactly. He has a very elaborate plan that does not essentially matter because it is not in the way of it's just it's just one big obstacle. Yes. Oh, and yeah. it's and okay, so my background in this movie is like I this is probably the first time I've seen the actual like theatrical version of it because it came on USA and TNT oh. constantly. Mm -hmm. It was one of those movies that just got sold in packages to these cable networks and it was on TV all the time. Mm -hmm. So I watched it in pieces probably dozens of times, oh, okay. but this is the, probably the first time I saw the theatrical version front to back. Um, and I brought it because I feel, brought it to the table because I feel like this movie is the epitome of dumb but great, mm, which is okay. a category of media and art that I love dearly. Um, Absolutely. It's dumb but great. Like, sort of like, when I, I talked about the bands that Spinal Tap was influenced <laughs> by, again, dumb but great. Um, and the older I get, like, obviously when I was younger, I'm a couple years older than you, so, like, I distinctly remember a lot of these mid-90s action blockbusters coming out, like this, Independence Day, Wild Wild mm -hmm. West, you know, mm -hmm. the good, the terrible, the somewhere <laughs> in between. And, but for me, they were all just 
movies. Uh -huh. And so this was one of those that fell in that category where I never really thought about it being like a crazy movie <laughs> or anything like that. I was like, oh, this is just an action movie. Mm. And letting it sit for a while, I hadn't thought about it in years, and then the How Did This Get Made episode about Con Air, I listened to it, which is a great episode. It's one of the best podcasts I've ever heard in my life. One of the funniest Ooh. things I've ever heard in my I'm life. I have to check that out, but I'm glad I didn't listen to it before this. Same here. Also, don't you dare discontinue this podcast and listen to that one. Don't you pause right now. We're you can complimentary. Listen to it afterwards. Yeah. I'll remind you at the end, don't worry. Um, but anyway, I, listened to, I remember listening to that after not seeing the movie for a long time and thinking like, oh my God, you're right. Jason Mantzoukas is right, um, that, which is something I think many times on an average day anyway. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, not to, not to overplay it, but like, I feel like cocaine should get a writing credit on this movie. Like, oh. this movie was either written by an eighth grade boy in detention or by a sentient bag of cocaine. Like, <laughs> one or the other, possibly both. Who knows? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't argue that. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember this movie being completely insane, but I forgot just how insane it is. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that people today fully appreciate the extent of the weirdness in this movie. <laughs> you know, it's similar to Airplane in the sense that the things that happen in it are completely outlandish, you know, Ugh. completely. Just um, on the basic physics level. Yeah. Like, oh my God. The prop at the end breaks off of the wing and then chops through the airplane. Like it's, it, but again, it's like airplane in the sense that it's so rapid fire, sometimes literally, that you do not have time to stop and think about anything that's actually happening. True, very um, true. But again, you know, the mid nineties was kind of the golden age of blockbusters okay. in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Um, and like, all these movies, as ridiculous as the world, like they were not franchises. They were not True. existing IP. You know, Independence Day, original. Um, Men in Black, based on a comic book, I think, but nobody knew that. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, um, Wild Wild West, based on an old TV show that nobody cared about. Again, those three Will Smith movies, sidebar. Um, did you know that at this point in the mid 90s, Fourth of July weekend was known in Hollywood as Will Smith weekend because he released an action blockbuster every year on the Fourth of July weekend. That is amazing. I didn't know yeah. that. But anyway. Um, God bless America. It was a world in which Nicolas Cage was cast multiple times as an action hero. <laughs> multiple times. And like all well, joking. Not always with that uh, not, deep South accent. Yeah, perfect accent. <laughs> Neither could he. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, oh my god. Which I am, okay, Mobile, Alabama mm -hmm. is roughly 40 minutes away from where I grew up, and so I've been there many times, unfortunately. Contrary to what the movie would have you believe, it is not like Venice, Italy, where you have to get everywhere via boat. <laughs> um, Big fan boat. And there are no, there are no oil derricks. I don't know what that, had, like there was, in the beginning, the yeah. fight scene where he like kills the guy, they're uh -huh. in front of like an oil derrick. I don't know, there's no oil derricks in Mobile. Hmm. Um, Unless they found the one, I'm not I sure. I think we found the continuity error in this movie. <laughs> I found the flaw this is, in this, this movie. This is it. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, all joking aside, I do choose to believe that this, uh, that the makers of this movie knew exactly how insane it was, and they leaned all the way into it. There's no other explanation. They had a car flying like a kite. Like, they had to have known. It, flies, is... it flies through the air, crashes into a tower, and then lands, a vintage, beautiful Corvette lands and crashes in front of... John Cusack, movie star, and two Cobra attack helicopters. <laughs> a very beautiful and expensive shot <laughs> of many beautiful and expensive shots in this movie that are completely ridiculous. Yeah, and serve no real point no. to the plot. None whatsoever. Do you think 
car would actually fly like that? I choose to believe it would. I don't like know. It wouldn't though, right? I, but <laughs> I mean, at that point, like you're moving so fast in the air, like I don't know. I don't know. Impossible I, to say for sure. I Mythbusters, oh. <laughs> come on, come back yeah, on there. Please, by all means. Um, yeah. So we kind of like your first impression was one of I assume being overwhelmed from the sound of it. Oh yes, I'm just. There were points. Okay, I didn't. There were points in this plot that I was just like, I don't really understand what's going on and what's happening here. Especially the like the layover stop that they make at one point. I was like, with the sandstorm or the yes. Okay. And there was a list, but he had killed those guys. So they were exchanging prisoners at that mm -hmm. point. For for a movie this dumb, the plot is surprisingly complicated. It is so complicated. And I was just like, oh, just let it be dumb. Like, come on, just don't I, make me like follow it this closely. And I I realized though that like when I was watching this movie again, like I was having a hard time tracking. It's like I've seen this movie dozens of times, and like thinking back on it, I could not have described to you what the plot was beyond yeah. Nick Cage is getting released from jail. He's on a plane full of convicts, and he has to do something. I don't know. And He's they just land in the to desert. Trying to get back to his wife because he is. He's golden-hearted to the max, mm -hmm. could never leave a man behind, has to save everyone. Just, like, the ideas of good and bad in this, mm -hmm. we, we are going to talk about yes. it. But... Take a stab at what the budget was. Did you say $75 million? I did say $75 million, so I gave that away. What do you think the gross was? How much money do you think this movie made? In the golden era of... 1997. Action movies. Ooh, okay. Um... This is Clinton dollars, by the way, not... <laughs> These were the boom times. Um, uh, I'm gonna say it made back its budget. It made hundred million. Two hundred and twenty-four million dollars gross. Okay. This was yep. a big movie. Yes. This is like the first weekend of June '97, and it was just like really got things off and running for the summer season. Oh, I feel boy. like. Um, this, this is a line that I'm going to give you from the Wikipedia page. Critics gave the film mixed reviews, but praised Cage and the cast performances, as well as its action sequences, stunts, obviously, and Malkovich's portrayal of the villain. Uh. Praising Nicolas Cage's performance, which now seems completely laughable. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. What is it? Put down bunny. Put, put the bunny back put, in the box. Put the bunny back in the box. You're doing oh a flawless Nick Cage. I can't do it. It was like so clear in my head. <laughs> like the Savannah accent. He had that very like southern classic. Put the bunny back in the box. You're actually better at that, that than good. he is. That was pretty good. Um, okay, so oh my God. the director was somebody you probably haven't heard of because I hadn't. His name is Simon West. He's English. Mm -hmm. This, I think this is his first... Um, he's a commercial director. This was his first stop feature. Stop these Brits over here, like I making know. their American They're dream. They're taking our jobs. <laughs> yeah. um, he made lots of commercials, including one I would like to show you here that I remember seeing on television. Come on, get up, get up, All get up, right. get up. Little Caesars Chaser Chaser is back. I just got an impression on my lipstick. <laughs> Loves planes. Is it on straight? Two pizzas, choice of two toppings and... So that was a gag from the movie Airplane that he plagiarized for his 1993 Little Caesars You're so commercial. Right. Oh so there's my that. God. Um, don't get too comfy. I got okay. one more thing I'm going to show you later. Later on. Um, so he directed, you know, so he directed that commercial, which won awards in 1993. Um, he also directed a weird Pepsi commercial. I remember seeing on Nickelodeon World Kids on the Beach, and he sucks his entire body into a Pepsi bottle. 
Oh, that does sound That familiar. won a lot of awards also. He also directed... Who's um, deciding these awards? Yeah, right. What Academy is this? I mean, I've seen Mad Men. I know the category for the Clio. <laughs> the categories for the Clio are pretty loose, but anyway. <laughs> um, he also directed this classic music video. Is this a joke? Are you rickrolling me right now? Simon West directed this music video and then 11 years later directed the movie Con Air. Oh my god. I was going to say, if this is an elaborate Rickroll, which I guess it kind of is. <laughs> this entire podcast was one big Rickroll. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. I'm bringing <laughs> it back. Nailed it. No, oh, um, my god. Oh. It's, it, he, he's, a, he's a true talent. He's a, he's a genius, I guess. Written by Scott Rosenberg, whose other notable writing credits include Armageddon, Gone in 60 Seconds, High Fidelity, and yeah. 2018's Venom. Wow. Um, so Venom was written by the Con Air guy. That is shocking. Now I Those want to see Venom. really good, well-written movies. Yes. That, uh... Which is why I think that this movie knew exactly what it was doing, is because the writer okay. knew okay. how to trick Jerry Bruckheimer into giving him $75 million to make this masterpiece. Oh. Um, oh my god, that makes me more mad. You were smart <laughs> enough to do better. You just wasted all I time. wish that I had Con Air on my writing resume. <sighs> um, I, I would write a sequel for it in a heartbeat. Hollywood, hit me up. I'll write it in a weekend. <laughs> Con Air 2. Two Con, two Air. <laughs> um, real quick, uh, some facts about the real Con Air, which were you aware that there was a real Con Air? No. Con Air is the nickname for the um, Fugitive Transportation. Okay. Uh, like Air Force One, it's just like a, cate so a there's, category. So there's, like a... yeah, there's like three passenger jets that are that are colloquially known as Con Air. Okay. Um, basically, they're overseen by the U.S. Marshal Service, which is different from the Federal Air Marshals. Um, Wikipedia says that for a plane full of 200 inmates, only 12 marshals are required which tells me that they will fly 200 inmates at a time sometimes. Um, well, oh yeah, God. but it is a real thing. Like, Con Air is a real thing. It's just not a military transport yeah. air, airplane. Um, also, fun fact, the movie U.S. Marshals came out one year after this, which not only also features the U.S. Marshal Service, but uh, involved a Con Air flight crash and subsequent escape of an inmate. So oh. one year later, same, same, same. It was in the uh, zeitgeist, I guess. Exactly. It was just what everybody had on their minds in yeah. 1997 and 1998. Clearly. Um, cast, John Malkovich was unhappy during production because the script was oh. being rewritten virtually every day. Amazing he, that he could act around it. Yes. The script was being rewritten virtually every day, and he had no idea how his character was going to turn out. Shit, that's um, crazy. People who were considered to play Cameron Poe, uh -huh. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, Kurt Russell, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, Dolph Lundgren, Johnny Depp, William Baldwin, Stephen Baldwin, Keanu Reeves, Brad Pitt, and Tom Cruise. Let's just make a list of every action star from this time I, and then I, add yes. in some dramatic ones and then just um, see where we land. Yeah, Gary Oldman was the How first. How high up on that list was uh, Nick Cage, I wonder? Um, I hope last. Yeah, they went through all of them. Um, all the Seagals. Yeah, uh, Gary Oldman was the first choice to play Cyrus the Virus. Um, oh. These are the other actors on that list, which, believe it or not, is even longer, so buckle oh up. Oh, my God. Tim Robbins, Ed Harris, William Hurt, Michael Madsen, Robert De Niro, Jack Nicholson, John Travolta, Kevin Bacon, Bruce Willis again, Michael Keaton, <laughs> Alec Baldwin. Imagine if Alec Baldwin played the bad guy and Ooh. William Baldwin played the good guy. Uh, 1990s Alec Baldwin. George yeah. Clooney, Richard Dreyfus, Michael Douglas, Rutger Hauer, Peter Weller, James Gandolfini, Tom Sizemore, Ron Perlman, Sean Penn, and Mickey Rourke. 
So you think every male actor in Hollywood at that time was like, have you gotten this fucking Con Air script? Like, it's terrible. Stop sending me this, this script. This movie is I won't awful. It. It's so bad. Um, yeah, and my final fun fact mm. is that Jerry Bruckheimer originally planned for the climactic crash to happen not on the Vegas Strip, but at the White House. Oh, no. Which will become relevant once we get into our main discussion point here. Um, and one last thing for, for trivia. Uh, do me a favor. Go to Wikipedia, to the Con Air page on Wikipedia real quick. Done. Okay. Um, scroll to the bottom and read us what the See Also section lists, verbatim if you please. Let's see. See Also. <clears throat> List of films featuring diabetes. Can I stop there? <laughs> please continue. Cinema of the United States. List of American films of 1997. Storming of the Bastille. Bastille, which occurred in the, 12, on the 14th of July, the day on which the film's events occur, the Bastille at the time held four forgers, two lunatics, and a pervert. Oh, okay, I guess I see the connection. Snowballs, movie and television references. <laughs> Snowballs. Um, did you have any favorite scenes or characters? I mean, in that jumble of cinematic, like that, I can't even think of like a good analogy for it. It's just a bunch of shit thrown together. Yeah, it really is. Um, I could have watched a whole movie of Steve Buscemi's just philosophical, or not philosophical, psychological mm -hmm. observations about the rest of the inmates. Yeah. That he maybe did it like, he did it one time and I was like, oh yes, this is going to be a thing. And he did it maybe one other time. And I was like, dang, I really wanted, because you could kind of tell they were setting him up to not be as bad as everybody like thought he was. Even, Even though, though he openly admitted to like wearing a girl's hat, head as a hat, a, yeah. driving across three states. And they really set you up to believe he like murdered a little girl. But like what happened then? If oh, just a just just a kid that lived in that trailer park wearing old timey clothes, playing dolls and, and tea party in an empty swimming pool. I was like, she's gonna murder him. This girl is crazy. That would be great. I would have written it that way. That sounds but. awesome. <laughs> and then she like takes his place on the plane and nobody notices. Ooh, yeah. She's wearing his head as a hat. Yes. Oh, oh. yeah, that's it. She's she's wearing his white jumpsuit with his head as a hat over the collar and no one notices. No one realizes. Ooh, this could be a different kind Damn. of Damn. <laughs> Call me Hollywood. Um, what? But what actually happened? They disappeared for like a minute and you're supposed to be like, oh shit, he killed her. No, they're just saying the rest of, he's got the whole world in his hands probably and then he they weren't left. In the pool. No, I don't know. Again, I, there was a lot in this movie that I missed even again after watching it uh, yeah. a zillion times, but. Um, um, I loved, for other reasons, the scene of Babyo where he's like, he got shot and he's laying on the ground yes. and he's like, Oh, like, I don't think I'm gonna make it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, shit, where have I seen this before? Forrest Gump. Yes, uh, I was gonna fucking say. Fucking Bubba Gump. McKelty, McKelty Williamson, AKA Benjamin Bue for Blue, uh, <laughs> AKA Bubba, from Forrest Gump, reprising his role as a South Alabama redneck's harmless black friend who dies in his arms after getting shot. Doesn't die because Nick Cage saves him. Do we even see, does he get rescued at the end? Does he end up uh, on, on an ambulance? I don't yes. remember, there was so much happening. <laughs> no, that's, and that last scene, yes, he goes to the hospital. That's all we know. Okay, got it. So, even though he's been in like a diabetic, like he's been in diabetic shock for hours at so this he's, point. So, so. His, his, his mortality rate is only one for two in being best friends with a South Alabama redneck. Got yep. it. Although it's like, it's 
one and a half for two, really, because <laughs> he gets real dang close. And you're right, we don't confirm that he makes The it. one thing he does in this movie that he does not do in Forrest Gump is deny God in, in his die, in his belief to be dying. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? Nick Cage reaffirms his belief in God. I'm so. going to show you there is a God. <laughs> I'm going to show you. And then he gets shot and just walks he through. He just gets and shot like, and doesn't care at all. Was that supposed to be like, <laughs> is that, did God do that? Is that what we're supposed to take from this? Oh, this, that's oh, the secret is he is literally bulletproof. He oh, is unbreakable. Yeah. I'm Jesus. He is, oh. yes, exactly. He's got the flowing hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, hangs I loved out when with they criminals. found. <laughs> I loved when they randomly found a full on schematic of a plane yes, in John Malkovich's cell so that mm-hmm. they knew exactly what was up. Oh, that you, mean in, really that, you mean in that scene where they found the cardboard cutout of The Last Supper and one of the guards says, It's The Last Supper. Yep. Out loud. Because that's A, relevant to the plot, and B, not something that every fucking person in the world knows. (laughs) They're like, we really can't trust this audience. We gotta... (laughs) And then they can read the code, no problem. That would have been really hard to line up. It would have taken a long (laughs) time. Whatever. Yeah, a letter from a a Colombian law firm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was all... That was all just... Carson City. Uh... Don't touch anything. (laughs) What's in here? Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, these are not my favorites. Um, these are just things that stuck out in my mind. The sentencing. He gets sentenced extra hard. He gets punished because he is a deadly weapon. Yes. Is the that lo- legally admissible? No, not at all. Okay. There is zero precedent for that at all. That's not a real thing. <laughs> you like, cannot Shit. be. You cannot be thrown in jail because you are too. Your body is too dangerous. Because you're too strong. Because you and and this is this I think really does tie into like the complicated politics of the movie, which is something I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about. But yes, that there is no clearer case in the history of cinema of killing someone in self-defense than being unarmed. <laughs> defending a person who explicitly has a knife and wants to kill you and attack your pregnant wife, Mm -hmm. there is no more clear-cut case of self-defense that I have ever seen in a movie. And yet, this movie is making the statement that as a... as a white man in America, you're gonna go to jail because self-defense is not legal if you're too good at it. Yeah, that's that's a problem plaguing white men. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh. Okay, that I was just like, wait, this can't be real. It's too much. Um, I did love how many times they had John Cusack just flying against a wall because something exploded in front of him. That was a nice recurring little bit. Uh, Lots of explosions happening very close to human beings in this movie. Yeah. Oh, man. When he gets blown out of the wall by the afterburner on the Cessna or whatever, that was perhaps the best one. God, there was just so many. Just so many like, oh, shit, that's going to explode. There goes John Cusack. (laughs) Um, At the end, when the two cops, like, follow them, Mm -hmm. there's just a random cut scene of the cop dropping the donut. Yes. And then they drive away, and then it cuts back they to the dr- donut. They drive away on police motorcycles after giving each other a nod, and then the guy drops the donut, and you're right, they cut back to the donut on the ground. Just crop. disrespectful. Is this movie pro-cop or anti-cop? That's it's impossible thing. to say. Okay, yes. I, I mean, we can get into the politics of Let's this movie. For we Let's have a lot to for say. Be- I'm okay. sorry. Hold that mm-hmm. thought, because before we get into this conversation, I want you to watch a video... I'm not going to play the whole thing in the actual finished podcast here, but I will link it. But I want you to watch this, please. No, each one of the convicts, Diamond Dog, is a black militant who hates the NRA and spends his time in prison writing a New York Times bestseller about the woeful state of civil rights in America. And he's one of the main bad guys. He's black America. Okay, fine. What did... Johnny 23. A Mexican immigrant who doesn't respect U.S. laws. He's immigration. Sally can't dance. 
Uh, is an outspoken and proud homosexual. Pinball is a drug addict. The prevalence of drugs in the African-American community. Billy Bedlam is about the dissolving of the nuclear family. He kills his wife's parents and Cyrus is Cyrus, Cyrus the, the virus. virus. He's a bilingual intellectual with a doctorate who gets along great with the minorities. Holy shit, Cyrus is the manifestation of the liberal masses. Okay. Oh no. So again, not gonna, not gonna put that whole thing in there, but uh, I will link that video oh, that we just boy. watched in the notes. Um, so, well, I feel better about not liking it that much now. Pretty strong <laughs> argument for this movie being an extremely conservative um, piece of propaganda intentionally by um, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, who yes, is an outspoken conservative. Um, the idea just being that all the convicts on the airplane, or all the main convicts on the airplane, represent different areas of society that um, are kind of like bugaboos for, for easily frightened conservatives. Mm -hmm. um, but um, that's the easy way, I think, to interpret this movie. And I think that I, our main character, Cameron Poe, he looks and sounds like I imagine the target audience of this movie is supposed to look and sound. Is I, I, I'm, I'm guessing. What? <laughs> That's like a real heavy accent. That's a real specific. That's I mean, you know, locale. I, yeah, but I mean, you you, you probably didn't. Just like a red-blooded American man. I was going to say, you probably don't see and hear that character and think, yeah, that guy probably voted for Clinton. Yeah, you know, fair That's enough, what fair I mean. Enough. That's what I mean. Um, but, but there's a lot that that cracked video leaves out, and I think that it's important to mention. For one thing. As we discussed, it's very hard to tell for sure if this movie is pro-police or anti-police. <laughs> because a lot, like every cop in this movie is incompetent except for the super liberal hippie Vince Larkin, the U.S. Marshal. Mm. He's the one that's right the whole time. Everybody else tries to go in guns blazing and they're wrong about everything. Yeah, um, yeah. And so he's a liberal caricature, but he's clearly the one who understands what's happening more than any other one person in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, and not to mention, this wasn't as much a thing in 1997, but I feel like this movie makes a very strong argument against the whole good guy with a gun argument. Mm. Because every time there is, every time a gun gets introduced into a volatile situation in this movie, it makes it worse. That's noticeably a really good point, worse. Yeah. And the and, and and having guns never solves anything in this movie. Right, like no bad guy really gets killed by a gun, right? Right, exactly. Um so I feel like the the politics in this movie are complicated and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean I definitely noticed the simplicity of good and bad from the beginning. The way that Nick Cage goes to prison is laughably like Injust. It is the laziest possible way to get that character into prison. Yeah, there is no gray area. He did not do anything that was like, I mean, even his wife, I think they tried to set it up with her being like, I didn't want that man to come back. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want, you know, I thought the military would get this out of you or mm -hmm. whatever. And so clearly he has some kind of like checkered past, like some kind of anger issue, but never against her. Right. You understand, like he, he's not an, he's not abusive. He's just like, a dude who gets mad when he's protecting his loved ones. And so he goes to prison because he's protecting his six-month pregnant wife, which also, how dare you? She was not six months She was pregnant. zero months pregnant. <laughs> she was not pregnant at all. Um, yeah, so they did set that up simply. I definitely noticed that. But they do have weird things that are on other sides of the line. Cyrus the Virus has a huge problem with rapists. Yes. 
which was weird to me because everything else he does is very like, this is a bad guy. This is the leader of the oh, yeah, bad he, well, guys. Well, he, well, like, he's, a, he's a liberal. He's, <laughs> you know, obviously. Uh, but what? why does he have an issue with rape if he's just going to be a straight up bad guy? Like, he's cool with, like, murdering people and mm -hmm. whatever, but then the rapists are distasteful to I, him. I like, don't know. I don't know. It's, I, that I, was so confusing I think to that me. I, I honestly kind of did buy into the idea that he, when he's, like, when, when Poe stops Johnny 23 the first time mm -hmm. and Cyrus is like, he's right. He's mm -hmm. like, we don't have time for that now was more like his, his thing. Although, I don't know. But I, no, from the not. beginning, he's like, oh, Johnny 23, I've heard You're of your right. work, blah, 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 blah. And then he's You're like, scum. but actually I hate rapists. And yeah, yeah. scum and stuff. And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, his, he was very hard to pin like, down. Eh. Also, minor sidebar, Cyrus was 14 years old the first time he went to prison and never got out. Like, the, the math in this does <laughs> not end up. How much damage did you do? They, when they were giving his rundown, like in the beginning of the movie, they were saying like he spent 25 of his, he's 39 years old, spent 25 in our prisons. And it's like, okay, so 39 minus 25 is 14. At maximum, he was 14 years old, committed all these crimes, and then went to adult prison? Yeah. For 25 years? I mean, if his crimes were heinous enough, and then I guess he just got worse in prison? Like, he's just like a, a crazy person now that's been- Oh, you're, tr you're like, trying to make the argument that going to prison makes people worse, not better? How uh, dare you? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I didn't even catch that math because I was completely underwater <laughs> with the plot points of this movie, but yeah. Also, there were just some weird, so, you know, the like the is it the DEA guy? I wasn't totally clear. The on DEI that. was the DEA guy was the asshole the guy who with drove the, car. the Corvette and parked in yeah. the handicap spot, which was a pretty clear like conservative character. That's right, a, very much so. And yeah. he's the guy who's like, well, give him give the good guy a gun and he'll he'll handle the situation. Yeah. And he was wrong, got somebody <laughs> else killed. Yeah. And, and his decision to not shoot at the end is like what saves Nicholas Cage yes. and lets him get back to his family. And he like at one point, John Cusack. I guess, oh, I guess it's when they're off on the goose chase trying to search, trying to get what they think is the plane, but it's actually the, like, The tour plane. plane. The tour, tour plane, plane, yeah. yeah. Um, they, and he said something about John Cusack is probably off, like... Saving the rainforest. And recycling his sandals. And I'm like, what the fuck? Where did we get to an environmentalist? Yeah. Like, it's like it's almost like they had more character building stuff of John Cusack being a super hippie for some reason yeah. that just didn't make it into the movie, I which I'm not, fine with that. Yeah. I didn't understand John Cusack. Like, you called him the nerdy cop or whatever earlier. I was like, is he supposed to be the the kind of bad boy cop? Is he supposed to be the, like, you know, guy reading uh, some of Marx's works in the back? Like, kind of cop? Like, what is... What was his yeah. deal? Well, the, only like, thing that, the only clue you really get is the fact that he wears sandals with his suit. Oh, right. Which I'm pretty sure is not allowed in the Marshal Service. Yeah, just open-toed shoes are a bad idea in general. You know, I mean, I'm not, an expert work, on, I'm not an expert on the U.S. Marshal Service dress code, but yeah. I'm assuming sandals are a big no-no. Ugh, yeah. And then he has his little moment at the beginning where he's kind of like, meh, 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 like behind the guy who's talking to yeah. you know, like, and cracking up whoever that oh, yeah, chick a, is who's in there for... He's a wise scenes. guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a Weisenheimer. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, this up. is gonna be like a, a love story. Nope. They mm -mm. she shows up like two times. I don't know. The whole thing was just there was just a lot. There's so much happening, and it's like it's so easy to not even think about these politics because it's like it's buried so deep in there. But some part of me now thinks that maybe that was on purpose. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't see that movie differently after watching that video. Yeah. And it's it all like, makes it, sense. It really is like all these main characters are like caricatures of like the war, the society's worst villains in the eyes right. of your average, uh, not to get political, but your average Fox News devotee. Um, not, not viewer, 
but devotee. Yes, yeah. that's a, that's a P1. Your average Fox News P1. Let me put it that way <laughs> in uh, in media terms. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, but I, I don't know. Did, it's it's hard to really make a determination. Like, is this movie pro conservative or is this movie more liberal than that, or is it a weird hodgepodge that doesn't really know what it is politically? I. I mean, I can definitely see the hyper-conservative argument, although it is complicated by, like, you know, I just, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it seems kind of hyper-conservative. It's all this, like, man trying to protect his family. The only people that we like in prison are the ones who really don't deserve to be there. Yeah. Do we know what Baby O did? I have no idea. I don't think they even mentioned it. Yeah, and he's, uh, yeah. Also, was was Nick, I'm unclear about this, too, because they said they built a new Supermax prison in Alabama. Why? Um, and that's what they're flying Nicolas Cage back to. Where was he in prison? Why was he, who was convicted in the state of Alabama for a murder charge, which is not a federal crime, um, I don't think. I don't, I think that, I, I don't necessarily, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Anyway, but he was being held someplace within a short flight of Carson City, Nevada, which I'm not good at geography, but Nevada and Alabama are not close to each other. Yeah. Um, and he's being flown back to Alabama? I don't know. So they flew Carson City. Oh, I guess he just they just deviated at La, at uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, well, Car- yeah, because Carson City is like what, a couple hours flight maybe on that airplane from from Vegas. I don't know. And where was John Cusack? Where did they start? Because he brought in the wife like pretty early. Who knows? Early. Who knows? She must have been in Alabama. Well, they rode that Huey helicopter from Alabama to Las Vegas. Oh, right. Or something. I don't know. That seems like a long ride. Why did he bring in her, his wife in the first place? She hasn't seen him in eight years. What no, what's another day going to be? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, I don't know. But see what I mean? It's so easy to get sidetracked because you think yeah. about this and then you start tugging that thread and it goes all over the place. But, but this is the theory that I came up with. Okay. In terms of the politics of this movie, I think the closest thing to a cohesive understanding of the politics of this movie is that it's best summarized in the scene where John Cusack and Nicolas Cage are in Las Vegas and they climb on the police motorcycles and they chase down Cyrus and they take him down together because that is what is going to bring America back to happiness is when the liberals and the conservatives start joining forces to defeat the common enemies of society. The intelligentsia. It's the yin and the yang okay. coming together in a Jerry Bruckheimer police chase in Las Vegas. It's moderate propaganda. It's, it's the moderate propaganda. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, fucking um, ridiculous. I'm choosing to believe that because it makes about as much sense as anything else in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair enough. <laughs> I wish this was a movie about nothing, but now that option's been taken away from yes, me. Yes, indeed. Um, and before we wrap things up, there was one last thing that I wanted to kind of bring up. Danny Trejo, the uh, mm-hmm. character actor who plays Imagine Johnny 23, mm-hmm. obviously... I, I would argue, based on what they do in movie, the worst character in the movie. Um, mm. uh, he's set up to kind of be the worst yeah. guy. He doesn't even work well with others, which no, the other people no. have. Everybody going else for is. Them at least. Every, well, I mean, working well with others, I guess, when Diamond Dog is your literal slave master and he's like whipping people with cargo straps to pull an airplane. I don't know. Maybe. I meant more like you know, all the really bad guys are at least teaming up to create this plan right, and yes. like execute. They're it. like, like a they're, family. <laughs> they're at least a team. They're um, working well, but yeah. Trejo doesn't get that option. He's not exactly. He's, not he's a bad. Team he's a bad, bad, bad deed. He's, he's, he is, if you will, a bad hombre. Um, but, um, I will not. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, but fun fact about him in general, I don't know if you've heard this before, but like he has a personal policy that anytime he plays a bad guy in a movie, 
he has to die, preferably a horrible death. Oh, I didn't know that. Because he subscribes to the idea of he wants to show impressionable young people that crime does not pay. Okay. So whenever he plays a bad guy, he dies, preferably oh. in a horrible way, which his death was pretty horrible in this movie. They, Such they, an amazing sight it's gag, It's great. They, so yeah, when good. they take him away and his arm is still is, hanging there, yeah. it's oh, great. That was it's terrific. horrific, but just you're just like, dang, that is, that like, is movie magic. Really right? well That's executed. Yeah. Like, they execute so well in this movie. Like They spent clearly all their money on yeah. like the stunt coordinators yeah. and stuff like that, and money well spent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So that, I suppose, brings us to the end of our first episode of season two. Mm -hmm. So as we're wrapping up here, there was something that we want to start introducing into our, our, uh, our episodes now, which is where we review. We actually come up with a very brief review for the movies that we watch, yes. which we will put out into the world so mm -hmm. that others who may not already listen to our podcast will experience our greatness firsthand. So would you be so kind as to um, give us your three sentence review of Con Air? Okay, my review. Snakes on a plane meets speed. If you're not into action movies with 15 plus characters, fake accents, and extremely detailed plots, this may not be for you. But if you're a fan of Nick Cage and physics-defying stunts, you know what you're getting into. My three-sentence review of Airplane as, is as follows. <clears throat> with a plot that doesn't matter and more dad jokes than a family reunion, Airplane remains perhaps the most aggressively silly movie of the 1980s. Some of the humor of seeing dramatic actors like Leslie Nielsen, Robert Stack, and Lloyd Bridges uh, undercut their established personas may be lost on modern audiences, but the film retains enough timeless, rapid-fire nonsense to keep viewers of any age entertained, ideally viewed in the company of friends with free-flowing alcoholic beverages. Nice. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. Good. But, uh, yeah, so I guess that's going to bring us to the end of the episode here, and... Um, I don't know. I suppose we can throw it to the listeners to determine which uh, who 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 won the episode, if you will, <laughs> for going head to head in this uh, in-flight movie double feature. Um, but um, yeah, I'm so thrilled to be back. We've got a lot of fun and interesting developments that we cannot wait to bring back during our regular episodes. We've got a got the next few months planned out, and uh, again, we told you we'd be back. So mm -hmm. thrilled to be here. Looking forward to it, Kari. Yep. I mean, I think we've said it all. We're excited to be back. Back for another season. Hopefully some surprises and some exciting new developments. Uh, yeah, just stick with us. Awesome. We're back, Mom and Dad. <laughs> you can stop texting me about it. Oh, God. You know what we just forgot to do? We're what? so rusty. We haven't done this in months. You know what we forgot to do? What are we Pitch. watching next week? <laughs> All right, who's going to go? Oh, boy. Do you want to flip for it again? Let's flip for it. All right, cool. It it's time. only fair. Okay, I'm calling Tails. Ooh, and it's heads. On, it, on Tails. We need to listen to the old episode and see if that ever lands on Tails. <laughs> I'm calling bullshit. Um, so I get to call whose pick it is. Yeah, um, you can punt or you can go ahead and take it. I'll take it. We'll do one of my movies. All right. Would you rather a movie with royalty or with Brendan Fraser? Uh, they're not the same movie, right? Like, nope. Only because I suspect I know what the royalty option is. Oh, there's multiple. Oh, okay. I still suspect I know which one you're going to go with first. Um, let's, go with, the let's go with Brendan Fraser. All right. Would you rather... Taking a page from the old Kyle Bear playbook. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Last option. How do I want to break these down? 
Hmm. Would you rather a man looking to the future or coming from the past? <laughs> um, looking to the future. All right. How do we do this? I have to tell you about the movie first. You have to describe <laughs> so, it. <laughs> so, Brendan Fraser is a man unhappy in his life. He wants to basically create a new one. He, mm -hmm. wa he wants to start all over, create something new. So he enters into a pact with the devil to make that happen. Kay, have you seen Bedazzled? I have not. Is this another, is this another 1997 movie? 2000. Oh, man. Beginning of the era. We did beginning of the 80s with my last, beginning of the aughts with my, first, with my next. Okay, yeah. No, I have not seen Bedazzled, but um, it is another one that I've been aware of for a long time, and I honestly don't think I've really thought about that movie in years. Most so, people probably have never thought about this I'm, movie, but I'm kind I think of that's thrilled. I will say this. I am kind of thrilled that you are bringing a movie like this that I knew about but never cared about and forgot about mm -hmm. because it gives me a reason to watch a movie that's not just on my list. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, this is not on most people's <laughs> list. Most people probably don't remember this movie at all, and that's just fine. Well, I'm very much looking forward to watching it and very much looking forward to jumping feet first back into our first regular episode of season two. Whoop, whoop. Cannot wait. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you for your patience. We look forward to bringing you all the great uh, nonsense and banter and, and maybe fun facts, question mark, that you hey. love and enjoy. Um, but yeah, until next week, I'm Kyle. I'm Kari. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Okay, I'm gonna make sure I hit the right button so I don't erase the whole episode. Oh, no.